back to Bookish Blether, a regular podcast about books and reading with me, Nicola. And me, Holly. And it's probably a bit weird to say this is a regular podcast about yeah. books and reading because um, those of you who listened to our last episode will know that this is going to be our last episode for a little while at least while we take a break for the early part of 2017. Um, we've got, both got loads of different projects coming up and we really want to keep doing the podcast with as much of our energy and effort as we can. So we're going to take a little break and then hopefully be back later in the year. But this is episode 50, which is awesome. I think it's actually it 51. Is I think is we're it? ending on an odd number, although we've done two, exactly two years. Oh, right. Well, ignore me then. We Either should have way, done it's our, our final podcast of 2017. <laughs> We should have been way more excited last episode about it being episode 50. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And as usual, we will start with what we've been reading. So what, for the final time, has been on your nightstand? Not the final time ever, but... For now. (laughs) Um, Well, I've actually been reading loads. We only recorded about a week ago, so it seems very soon. Um, but I had a couple of reviews to write. So I read two very new releases. The first one is Homegoing by Ya Jassy, or Ya Jesse, I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce her name. Um, and this came out in the summer in the US, so a lot of people will have already read it. Um, but it's coming out the 5th of January in the UK. I think I talked about it in like our anticipated books of um, early next year podcast episode, which we'll link in the show notes. Um, but basically it's about two women... And then their ancestors, so it's um, two half-sisters who are born in the Gold Coast of Ghana and so the same mother but they don't they don't know that they're sisters um, and one of them is basically sold off and, and marries a white man who's like a kind of imperialist slave trader um, and the other ends up becoming a slave herself and so it, it, it's kind of like vignettes, almost like short stories uh, where we follow those two characters and then like as each of their timelines split off you get like um one person from each generation as as their lineage continues so it's it's a really accomplished book and it's got a lot of like um kind of contemporary politics in it as well which i find quite surprising i really enjoyed the stuff that took place in ghana because it's an area of slavery that i think isn't as prevalent in novels like we get a lot of the kind of antebellum um you know uh, plantation era stuff but we don't get a lot um, and fiction about like what the slave trade was really like in Africa and I thought that was really interesting uh, with the you know various tribes were um, working with the British colonials and and like selling off like other tribes for slavery I thought that was like a really interesting dynamic and um, yeah overall I, I think I was more impressed by it than enjoyed it it's one of those books that I'd, I kept seeing people rave about and I think maybe it was like too hypey for me at this particular moment um, but it is an excellent novel I can see why people have really raved about it and I think it's definitely worth reading if it sounds interesting to you mm. um, then I also read a non-fiction book which is The Undoing Project by Michael Lewis which is about two psychologists, um, one's called Daniel Kahneman who people might know from the book Thinking Fast and Slow which was a big bestseller a few years ago and his partner um, in work who was called Amos Tversky who actually passed away a few years ago um, but they worked together on a lot of projects around um, unconscious biases um, and they had this really interesting working relationship. So the book is like, it's very heavily biography about the two men um, and he does a really good job of writing around not being able to interview Amos the same way he was able to interview Danny. 
Um, and then it has a lot of stuff about their, their various experiments and things like that as well. So I think he, he did a really good job of balancing those two things. Um, did I mention that the author is Michael Lewis? Did I say that at the start? <laughs> yes, he yes, did. I did. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, people might know he did um, Moneyball, which is one about baseball um, and how they introduced stats into baseball. Um, and he's done a few on like the financial crisis and that sort of thing as well. So it's a bit of an interesting angle for him. I think people who like Thinking Fast and Slow will run to this book, but I think they might get a lot of the same stuff um, mm. in terms of like the experiments that they did. I actually picked up in the bookshop the other day and I opened up at a page that was like, oh yeah, I definitely heard about this experiment. Um, <laughs> but I did most of that one on audiobook because I was reading it for a review and I was like, I need to be able to get through some of this like while I'm walking and doing my makeup in the morning and stuff. So... Um, I quite enjoyed doing it on audiobook because it felt a bit more like being being told the story of these two men's lives. So that was really good as well. Sweet. Yeah. Um, and then since then, I've gone back to the story of a new name by Elena Franti, which is the second Neapolitan novel, um, which talked about last time. So I'm glad to be picking that back up again because I was itching to get back to it by the time I was reading the end of reading those two. <laughs> yeah, that's um, on my upcoming TBR over Christmas break. Cool. Mm. Yeah, but I haven't started it yet. Well, it's been a busy week, so <laughs> not much. Mm. Um, I think in the last episode, I was just about to finish See What I Have Done by Sarah Schmidt, which I have finished and really enjoyed and really liked. So um, I, I, I won't go into as much detail as in the previous episode. If you want to find out much more about that book, go back and listen to that one. Essentially, it's the story of a girl called Lizzie Borden. It's the true story of how she killed her mother and father in her family home and it kind of represents all these different viewpoints of how she may or may not have done it and who other people might have been involved and motivations that they would have had and I really liked that it had quite a sort of open ending where it wasn't particularly satisfying because I just feel like that's kind of the sort of current state of affairs at the moment that there will, there will never be anything that is particularly neat and satisfying again. So, um, yeah, I, re I really enjoyed that loads. It's out in May, and um, I really, really recommend that people pick that one up when it comes out. It's got a really different color uh, cover in the States, but um, both are equally beautiful, so keep your eyes peeled for that one. Nice. And then um, last night I started reading a book called Missing Presumed by Susie Steiner. Have you heard of this? Um. I feel like I might have, but I can't like call the cover to mind. It's it's not really your bag at all, oh. but um, <laughs> like, like it's, <laughs> it's like it's like contemporary crime fiction. Okay. Um, and I've seen a lot of people talking about how great it was. It actually came out in February this year, um, and I've had it on my Kindle for a little while. So I started reading that. I'm only about forty pages in, but I'm enjoying it so far. And it's about a woman who goes missing. Um, her friends and family all have kind of different versions of events and then it's about the kind of life of the um, young female detective that has to solve the case so probably one of those like quite cliched um, you know detective that's kind of she's got her own issues but she's got to solve someone else's <laughs> first and um, although I've I've heard a lot of people say it's got really interesting themes around the pressure that modern women feel around relationships and career and success and all that kind of stuff so I'm interested to dig into that one a little bit more cool. I've also seen a lot of people say that it reads really like a kind of BBC drama which I think is kind of the sort of thing I would want to watch at this time of year yeah so hopefully 
reading will fill that gap. Nice. Yeah, it's good to have something like easy at this time of year. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Chill out and stuff your face and (laughs) get interrupted. (laughs) I've definitely been doing the stuffing my face bit. Mm -hmm. Nice. And have you been shopping at all? Um, Yes, I have. I managed to acquire four books this week, like almost by accident. Um, What? (laughs) The first one was my book of the month pick, which actually arrived a little bit later than usual, I think. Um, but I chose Swimming Lessons by Claire Fuller. She had a book out earlier this year that was called Our Endless Numbered Days. And a lot mm-hmm. of my friends enjoyed it. I think it was about like a kind of a cultish, um, like people in the woods or something like that. Or pe- people who were like weren't exposed to the outside world. Um, and I think most of them really loved it. Some of them were a bit mixed on it. This one sounds like it has a wee bit of a Gone Girly Feats and Furies twist to it, which I think is will be interesting. Um, this back of it says, Ingrid Coleman writes letters to her husband Gil about the truth of their marriage, but instead of the- giving them to him, she hides them in the thousands of books he has collected over the years. Um, and then she disappears, and one day the husband thinks he sees her, and his daughter isn't convinced that she actually disappeared or or died, um, and and ends up kind of finding the the, pic, the finding the she ends up finding the letters, and like it's kind of exposes the mystery from there as far as I can tell. Um, mm. And it says it involves mysterious truths of a passionate and troubled marriage, which is the part that makes me think maybe it'll be a bit kind of not on the scandal side exactly, but on that kind of like clever, um, but thrilling writing about relationships mm. that does sound good it's actually about a wee bit early from book of the month um it's due out on february 7th 2017 from Ten house books in the u.s i'm not sure about a uk publisher but if i find out i'll put it in the show notes so i'm interested in that I'll see what that's all about sounds um, good I also went and purchased the third Neapolitan novel because I was talking to my friend Max, who has a YouTube channel called Well Done Books. And I was like, I don't know if I want to like binge the rest of them, but I don't want to go on holiday and then not be able to read it because I'm going to Mexico for Christmas. And he was like, oh, you're going to want the next copy or you're going to want a copy of the next one. And I was like, well, I'll write that and I'll go and buy it. So (laughs) Um, I went and picked up a copy of that. Um, And then the other two books I got were from, um, it's not quite a subscription box, but... um, Mercedes, who's a friend of mine from Booktube, she has a channel called Mercy's Bookish Musings, has started a box. Um, so it's not like a recurring subscription, um, but she's going to announce that each time they're ready, it's going to be every second month. And you get two books from independent publishers that she thinks were great that you might not have heard about. And I'd heard of both of these publishers, but neither of these books. Um, so the first one that I got, oh, it's called The Mo- Moth Box, by the way. Um, I love it. Yeah, it's really cool. And I, <laughs> I think I teased everyone because I, I posted an Instagram story as I was opening them, but I knew that a couple of my friends in the US hadn't received theirs yet. So uh, my friend Brittany in the, in the group chat was like, please don't spoil me. And I was like, oh, okay. So I didn't post pictures of the book. So everyone was like, oh, you just unwrapped this great thing that was actually in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this is what was in it. And if you don't want to know, then you can uh, skip over the next couple of minutes. Um, but the first one is called Trio by Sue G. Um, this actually sounds like it'd be up your street, Holly. It's by Salt Publishing. Um, mm-hmm. It says, Northumberland, the winter of 1937. In a remote moorland cottage, Stephen Coulter, a young history teacher, is filled with sadness and longing at the death of his wife. Through a charismatic colleague, Frank Eb- Embleton, and Frank's sister, Diana, he's drawn into the beguiling world of a group of musicians and falls gradually under their spell. But as war approaches, a decision is made which calls all their lives into quite, quite shockingly into question. Oh, that does sound 
Um, so it's got like the moors and a hilltown school and a country house. Um, and it sounds like it'll be like quite romantic and stuff and very moody. So I'm looking Ooh. forward to that one. Um, and if I like it, then I'll definitely send you a copy. <laughs> um, okay. And then the second one is called Call of the Undertow by Linda Cracknell, which is published by Freight Books, which is a Scottish publisher. And this one says, Cartographer Maggie Thame has left her modern ur urbane life in Oxford and retreated to a remote village in Scotland's most northern and storm-battered edge. It's clear she's running from something, hoping to forget and to be forgotten. But to villagers, the question remains, what is she hiding from? Ooh. So this one sounds very moody as well. I think maybe Mercedes might have talked about this on our channel a while ago. Um, but it, it, I'm, I'm probably going to start with this one. I think this one appeals to me a bit more probably just because it's set in Scotland. Um, oh. But it says it explores the themes of motherhood, guilt, myth and the elemental forces of nature. That sounds good. I think I like the sound of that one as well. Yeah, so I think this will be like really good like moody winter reads. Mm. That does sound good. Yeah, so I'll put a link to Mercedes' channel. This one sold out really quickly, this box. So I think the next one she'll announce towards the end of January and then it'll go out in February. So you'll you'll want to be quick because um, this was kind of a trial run. She only did 100 and I think next time she hasn't said how many she'll do. It'll be more, but I imagine it'll probably sell out quite quickly again. What a fab idea. Exactly. Good for her. Very cool. Well, I haven't been shopping as such, but I did get an arc from uh, Michael Joseph at Penguin in the UK of a book called The Fifth Letter by Nicola Moriarty. Um, and it really appealed to me because it kind of sounds a bit like a grown-up version of Pretty Little Liars, <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. um, which I used to read loads of, but, mm. I, you know, I will admit is kind of... Uh, well, the, the books are good. The TV show is trash, but good trash. This is the story of four women who have been really good best friends since school, but kind of in their adult life, you know, they've got their partners and their kids and their work. And so they've kind of grown apart a little bit. Um, they used to take an annual trip away and they've decided to resurrect it. And one of them suggests that they will all write an anonymous letter and share with their friends kind of, what's going on in their lives and how they're really feeling about stuff and then what actually happens is there's a fifth letter um did I say that's the title of the book I hope I did it's called the fifth letter <laughs> and there did. is a fifth letter <laughs> <laughs> and um this is a letter that contains like way more secrets than anyone ever anticipated and now the kind of main character in the book is starting to wonder if she even knows her friends at all so um yeah, I think that's got that kind of, you know, uh, friendship, drama, mystery, who can you trust element that um, appeals to me. So yeah. nice. I'm looking forward to reading that one, hopefully, yeah, over the Christmas break. Yeah. Um, we both have travel plans over Christmas. I feel like that, that's probably worth mentioning because we were recording on the 19th of December, which is quite early for our end of year. We usually wait until those last few days of the year so we can talk about, like, every book that we've read um, yes, um, we, we do. Can, we'll definitely update if we have any like surprise best books of the year. We'll put those on our social media channels. Yeah, but I'm heading to Scotland tomorrow, which is very exciting. And then I'm not coming back until the third, and it's a good chance to catch up beforehand because the Wi-Fi up there is atrocious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm going to Mexico to San Miguel Ooh. de Allende, which is like 
Um, apparently it's like high jungle, so that'll be interesting for Christmas. But it's also very traditional because it's like a Spanish colonial settlement. So looking forward to that. That's exciting. Yeah. What's your temperature going to be like? I think it's going to be in the mid twenties, which is oh, the mid seventies for any American listeners. I get so confused now with like what temperatures to tell people because <laughs> any any time it gets below like sixty Fahrenheit, I know that sixty is sixty one. No, sorry, sixty one is sixteen. Yeah, I'm getting my wires crossed already. Uh, but anything below that, I'm completely useless in Fahrenheit. <laughs> Yeah, because it's like not even on a necessarily even scale, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite it's quite uneven, and I just haven't been here in the winters that much. So anytime someone tells me it's in the mid forties, I'm like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> just say cold. Yeah, it's just chilly. <laughs> so, twenty sixteen has been a hell of a year, a oh, big yeah. year for both of us and the world in general. Now that we're in- pretty much at the end of it how are you feeling about your reading looking back it's been a mixed year um I noticed that there's a few books that I'm I've been surprised at myself for not getting around to but it's just because I either acquired them or like had plans to read them around the time that I moved so moving definitely had a big impact because for much of the year I was getting rid of books and I was like thinking about the value of what to keep and what to get rid of and there were also a lot of books that I was trying to get to so that I could then get rid of them mm-hmm. um so there are a few big things that like the the second Neapolitan novel like I feel like I could have read all four of those this year if I hadn't been like so distracted with that stuff um but it was also a nice way to get around to stuff that I'd been meaning to read for a long time mm-hmm. um the second half of the year or maybe not even the second half I think like the the last quarter of the year has been pretty mixed for me. I, I was reading a lot of new releases and a lot of them weren't really ringing my bells. I would put it down to when I read The Lesser Bohemians. I basically had a massive novel hangover from that point. And mm. So I was reading like mostly non-fiction, but I did want to read novels and it's only recently that I've kind of broken back into it again. Um, but yeah, I, just, I feel like I haven't had as strong of a second half of the year as I did the first half. Yeah, that's pretty much the same as me. When I look at my reading list... Um, I had read, uh, let's see, like 27 books by the end of June. Mm -hmm. And I've read, finished 37 books in total in the whole year, which is like nothing compared to last year and the year before. Is that about half of what you read last year? Um, What did I read last year? Um, Maybe last year I read like 55 or something and the year before it was in the 60s right. um so yeah the second half of the year is definitely I, I mean and that's not re- entirely reflective of my reading because I've definitely started and not finished a lot more books this year mm-hmm. and I don't include those in my finished list yeah. um but the start of the year was really great because in January I read uh seven books and then by the end of May, I'd had quite a few books that I'd rated 10 out of 10. Um, but yeah, the, the second half of the year has just not been that great at all. And I think that's just down to being super busy at work, really tired. When I go to bed at night, I read like a couple of pages and that's all I can manage. Mm. And interestingly, I noticed that I haven't read a book on Kindle since the summer. Um, and so I'm wondering if I had maybe read a few more Kindle books, then that might have been easier to get some stuff finished but um just because that's not quite as 
physically demanding when I'm in bed, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's been, yeah, it's, it's not like, not my best year, but I have read some great stuff, so I don't feel too bad about it. Yeah, you've been super busy with all your, your non-work or your work projects that aren't just your day job as well. Yeah, that's true. Studying for, yeah, I've been studying for my coaching diploma, which has taken a lot out of me in the evenings, which I guess is time that previously I would have often sat and read Mm -hmm. for a few hours. So yeah, that's that. Thank you for that reminder. That's worth acknowledging. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if people who, anyone else who works as much as you did also read 37 books. So Oh, that's very sweet. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It's not sweet, it's true. (laughs) Um, I think I've read, let me check, I've read 63 so far this year. Um, That's great. Which I, I I assume I could read maybe five more, if I really put my mind to it, since I won't be doing very much, except for sitting around. Um, and then I definitely had a DNF list somewhere. I don't think I've updated it, but I've definitely DNF'd in the region of six to eight books this year. Okay. And all of them like halfway through. Yeah, that's what's more frustrating, isn't it? Because I've got um, 12 on my list that, yeah, I think I got about halfway through. And it wasn't even that I wasn't particularly enjoying them. There are only two looking at this list, and I'm not going to name them, that I was like, this is trash, (laughs) get rid of it, and stopped. Mm -hmm. But the others I just sort of, like, put down and didn't pick up again, Um, which is a shame because that's not normally... That's not normal behavior for me. Yeah. No, I do that quite a lot and I don't realize that I've DNF'd it until like months later. I look at my currently reading on Goodreads and I'm like, I'm not really still reading that, am I? <laughs> <laughs> I have to real talk myself after a while. Yeah. If four months have passed, you can't really say it's still on your nightstand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so let's talk about our best books of the year. I imagine that we're going to be repeating some from our previous like best books of the year so far, which we did in, would that be early July probably? Mm-hmm. Which we'll link in the show notes. Um, I think I have a few to add to that. Okay. But, you um, fire away. Do you have a long list? Um, I have one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. Six. I can I can focus mine down. Although two of mine <laughs> two of mine won't be very big surprises at all. Is one gone with the wind? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so listeners who don't know about Nicola's love for Gone with the Wind, just go and listen to like all of the episodes from this year because it's pretty much been mentioned <laughs> in every single one. <laughs> I think everyone in February and every episode in March, I would have talked about it because I read it for like over the course of six weeks. From the beginning of February, I think. Yeah. Well, I have to say, like, I don't think it was my favourite book of the year, but it was definitely, like, it was probably the biggest investment I've made in a book in terms of, like, time and energy. Okay. Because so often I would buy books like Gone with the Wind or, like, you know, I bought Moby Dick and I've never touched it and I've had it for three years or four years. And I think when you have a big project like that, you're you're kind of, like, you're either going to like have to push yourself through it and it'd be a real slog or you're going to love it. Um, mm. So I read Gone with the Wind with a few friends. Um, I think one was rereading it, one gave up on it quite quickly because she didn't enjoy the tone of voice of it. Um, and then I think Vanessa and I both really loved it. So um, yeah, it was just like, it just like, it was a gift that kept on giving. Like I've never read anything as long as that and not had points where I was like, eh, 
there were a few points in this where like it it had like you know it stunk of desperation or like really unpleasant things were happening but i was always like pushing forward to find out what would happen next um i think it's one of those books that maybe i'll reread it in future but it won't be the same as like having read it for the first time not knowing what's going to happen next yeah that's true so that was my big one some books some books some books when you reread them don't necessarily have that same um impact when you when there are such big reveals and and big sort of massive things that happen in the book mm-hmm. exactly and then what was your other fave um like a main favorite yeah oh, the, well the other one that i've talked about loads is a stranger on a train by jenny Dusky, which oh, i'm yes. sure y'all don't need to hear me go on about again but she was just <laughs> such a great find for the year um i bought like all of her non-fiction books i haven't read them all yet because i don't want to like run out too quickly um but she just like feels like a kindred spirit of an author like just loves to sit around and read and write and think about things and you know like but will but still has like a draw to like go out and see the world and and hear people's stories and that's really what this book was was she just got on trains around america and let people talk at her and then shared their stories and um, like various bits of her day and since then I've read some more like kind of travel memoirs and none of them have really hit the spot in the same way for me mm. and it's one of the ones that I've started reading but it's not on the did not finish list but it's on my ongoing list mm-hmm. which is thankfully only like three books um, and I'm taking it with me over Christmas because I was really really enjoying it I'm not sure why I stopped yeah yeah busyness yes that well, do you have a standout favourite of the year? Um, interestingly, a lot of my favourites from this year were non-fiction. Mm-hmm. So I'll just quickly name a few of those because you're right that I didn't. I did list them when we did our um, favourites of the year so far back in July. So the first is The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. I listened to this on audiobook because it's narrated by her. It's amazing. It's kind of a memoir of her experience. She's a really awesome... Um, showrunner for um some big tv shows in america like Grey's anatomy scandal how to get away with murder which is garbage um <laughs> but but i still watch it um she's just got some really really insightful things to say about kind of life and her career and the lessons that she's learned and um i just feel very warm loving feelings towards her so that was great and then um quite a few nature books I've read this year so two of which I loved were Rain by Melissa Harrison which is um, about four walks in English weather so there's kind of it's kind of four big essays of uh, a walk in the spring, a walk in the summer, a walk in autumn and a walk in winter in different parts of the country and just how rain affects the people that live in the UK and the people who are dependent on the weather for work so kind of farming, what it means for nature Um, the land people's mentalities and then also back in May kind of time I read The Shepherd's Life by James Rebank which is all about a guy who is a real life shepherd in the Lake District and that is just that's probably my favorite book of the year I think because it was just so lovely and honest and just like a really real account of what it means to work in that kind of environment Mm -hmm. um and then I've given it to my dad and a lot of other people as well and, and been recommending it loads. So it was a bit of a surprise hit for me. I wouldn't normally read a book about sheep, but <laughs> <laughs> definitely totally loved that one. 
Oh, that's good. I remember you really enjoying that at the time, and I included that in a video because it was nominated for, um, blanking on the name of the prize, the Independent Booksellers Week prize, yeah. and loads of people commented and they were like, actually, I really want to read that. Yeah, it was so good. Mm -hmm. So, so lovely. What are some of the books that have really stayed with you this year? Um, I think I have to say The Lesser Bohemians by Eamon McBride because as I said that gave me such a hangover <laughs> that was just <laughs> such a wonderful book I was talking to my friend Eva about it yesterday when we were Skyping and we both read it like around the time it came out and I think she was quite ruined by it as well she didn't really had to find a way back into reading afterwards um, it's just like so beautifully written it's like kind of a stream of consciousness you're kind of like inside the character's head um, but then about halfway through it just takes off on this like dramatic monologue of of a man telling his girlfriend his entire past basically um, and all the tragic things that had happened in his life and it's just like I just found myself enraptured by it. like I felt like I was in the room here in the story like directly from him um, and it's very theatrical in that it's it's about theatre it's about a, a student who's studying theatre um, and there are lots of like other elements of that that she's brought in as well um, and yeah it's just like it just kind of blindsided me, even though people were raving about it. Um, I, you know, I started reading it and I was like, oh, this is a bit difficult to get into. Um, I will say Eva was suggesting this and I think it's a really good idea to, to look up Eamon McBride and find her reading. Like if you haven't read her stuff before, it's, it's really good to like hear her read a passage and then that'll like kind of help you tune your ear to it a bit. Oh, that's good. Yeah, kind of like learning an accent before you read something in dialect. Um, I didn't read her first book. A lot of people are kind of like, all right, I need to read the first one before I read the second one. I don't feel like you need to. Um, our first one was called A Girl is a Half-Formed Thing, and it is really depressing. <laughs> um, but The Lesser Bohemians is like a lot more joyous. Um, mm. But I didn't end up reading A Girl is a Half-Formed Thing. I had a hard time getting into it. And then I saw like the one-woman show of it that was going around the UK. I saw it when it was at the Fringe in Edinburgh. And that was amazing. And I was like, well, that was harrowing enough. I don't think I need to read the book now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if you're if you're gonna start with one or the other, I would say just start with Lesser Bohemians because it was just brilliant. Yeah, that I've heard lots of good things, and I also kind of struggled a little bit with a girl as the half form thing, but heard really good things about the show and did not manage to see it. So maybe that's one to look out for in 2016, yeah. 2017. It would probably be good to do on audiobook as well. Yeah, that's true. Hmm, interesting. Um. I think for me, one that really stuck with me a lot is um, The Butcher's Hook by Janet Ellis, mm -hmm. which I talked about in probably July, August time. Um, Janet Ellis is like a former Blue Peter presenter and the mum of Sophie Ellis Bexter, weirdly. <laughs> um, but this was her first novel after she went, I think she went through Faber Academy. And The Butcher's Hook is a novel that's set in kind of the late 1700s and it's about a girl called Anne who is kind of desperately in love with um, a local butcher's boy and kind of is willing to sort of give up her, um, I guess, like lovely, rich, um, you know, well-to-do lifestyle in order to pursue this relationship with him. Um, it's quite... It's, it's very like evocative of what um, London. What would what's the 1700s? Because it's not Victorian. Is it like Edwardian? Maybe I old have times. No idea. I'm really bad at those. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Me too. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. 
Um, and it's just, yeah, you can really get this sense of what London would have been like a few hundred years ago. But also it's just really interesting, the the sort of exploration of this young girl's, um, you know, burgeoning identity um, in the face of love across class, I guess. But it's also got a really like dark side to it. So mm-hmm. um, that's a book that I've thought of a lot, particularly as I'm walking around certain bits of London and I'm like, yeah. oh. This was in the book. <laughs> I always wish I had like a good enough imagination to be able to look at something in like current day and imagine it like in the past. Yeah, I have a hard time with that, but I, li- I like that talent. I admire that others can do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, have you had any on your list that are like were surprising to you? Surprising in any way you want to interpret them? That is a good question. I think "Hot Little Hands" by Abigail Ullman is probably one that fits that criteria because I just picked it up at an airport when I was on the way back from uh, Scotland in the summer and it just it, it must have been in like buy one get one half price in W Smith or something and um, it just sounded quite good because it was like an essay collection but it's really amazing essay collection that I am gonna keep and read again and again because there's lots of stories in there about um, young women exploring their identity and friendships and sexuality and relationships and it's just a very kind of like frank and thought-provoking collection of essays I think is probably a good way to describe it I really yeah I enjoyed it a lot oh I thought that one was short stories yeah yeah I guess it is yeah it's not memoir no Mm -hmm. it's um yeah it's short stories okay thank you (laughs) (laughs) yeah I heard good things about that one but I didn't get into it yeah no I really enjoyed that a lot Mm mm-hmm um, I think the one that surprised me the most was Night Waking by Sarah Moss, which I only read very recently, so I talked about it in a recent episode. Um, just a lot of people were talking about it. I really enjoyed the title zone earlier this year, which might have been on my list if I hadn't then read Night Waking, um, because she does interior monologue incredibly well, and she does like family life really well. You feel like you're just like in the room with this family, having like you know all kinds of nonsense going on while they're just trying to eat their dinner or like make some toast or whatever it is. Um, in Night Waking it's a younger family so it's a two year old and a seven year old I think that the the mother has Um, and she's on Colsey which is a fictional island off the coast of Scotland but um, the events there are very much based on St Kilda which is another Scottish island Um, and she's an academic so she is like trying to do her work um, where she studies like Victorian notions of childhood um, and raise her two children at the same time but she's kind of a reluctant mother and kind of um like a bit fed up with her husband and fed up with the role that she's kind of been left with and while trying to like do her own research and then there are other events that happen like on the island while they're there that kind of change the course of of her interests um and I really enjoyed how that all unraveled and how that can came to have a purpose at the end and um yeah just I really love like really good interior monologue and I love that her characters have like they have a life to live and like daily stuff that they have to do but then they also have this like um, very rich personal like intellectual life to escape into as well mm. and also just the amount of research in this book like because the the character is doing research so there's a lot of like um like bits like we're reading what she's reading um and then she changes the course of that and so there just must have been so much research would have had to go into writing this book and it kind of almost has three things going on at the same time which is really impressive I really like that when you get to learn via a character in a book mm-hmm. um, and stuff that just kind of opens up more of your world 
Yeah, me too. So thinking about the year ahead, yeah. what do you have planned um, in terms of books? In terms of books, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I've, I've kind of just defaulted to trying to read 52 books a year because I do usually read more than that, but um, I don't really want to like pressure myself. Um, this year I've read like quite a bit less than I did last year, but I think 52 is a good baseline, one a week for me anyway. Yeah, I would like to stick to 52. Mm. One a week does seem reasonable. But then given that I've only managed to finish 37 this year, um, I feel like I'm not going to set myself a target because mm-hmm. I don't like to fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you always see people like fiddling with their Goodreads goals at this time of year, which I find quite <laughs> funny. It's like, just accept it, man. Oh, I wouldn't do that. No. Yeah. I think that um, what I would like to do more of next year is maybe just, I think looking back on 2016, I feel, I think I felt a lot of pressure to read certain things or like put a lot of pressure on myself to read something that was kind of worthy mm-hmm. of my time. And then if I wasn't in the right headspace for a, a big book or a serious book or a, a, a challenging read, then that... I think is often why books didn't get finished. Mm-hmm. So I think I would just like to be a bit more honest about how I'm feeling when I'm picking something next year, even if that's like, oh, I just need to read something really light and fluffy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. And hope that that isn't everything in the whole year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I need to read more to my mood as well because I find I often have like a list of books I really want to get to and then I just pick up like something completely random and I look back at my list and I'm like, how did that even get into my hands? Like, it must have just been that someone talked about it at the right moment. Because then I'm like, why, why was I reading that? Um, I can't even think of, like, a spe- specific example of that. But there's a few where I've, I've looked back and gone, like, how did that make its way onto my TBR? Um, like, out of nowhere sort of thing. Um, I'd like to focus a bit more on... Um, I have so many non-fiction books that I'm really interested in getting to. I think I have at least 20 that are unread. So wow. I'd like to get to those, um, which is quite impressive considering like I got rid of all the stuff before I moved. Um, and then I'd also like to try to like find a bit more balance between what I'm buying and what I'm reading, because it tends to be that I I'm really excited about what I've what I've bought and I start reading from that pile like immediately, but then I go and buy another pile and then the old pile just sits there. Oh, God, that seems yeah. to be like my my pattern. So I'd like to maybe buy fewer books at a time and try to like read one, buy one, read one, buy one. I don't know how realistic that is because I do still get sent stuff and like every so often my editor will pop up and be like, "Hey, can you review these books?" And I have to read like two back to back, and that takes me out of like my own kind of rhythms. Um, yeah. But I'd like to kind of just work with that a bit more. I, I do know exactly what you mean because I tend to go through sort of splurges in terms of I'll be like oh I'm in foils oh look I've just bought six books you know because I maybe haven't bought anything for a while and then I come home and I put that new little pile on my shelf and I'm like oh great pick one from there and by the time that's finished there's more books so yeah I mean there's a lot on my bookcase that I look at and think why did I buy that it must have been recommended to me somewhere Mm -hmm. and it doesn't necessarily appeal now interestingly I don't keep a list of how many books I buy um 
and that would be a really interesting one to see. I've probably bought twice as many books as I've read. No, that can't be true. At least as many books as I've read this year. Yeah, I've done a thing. I have actually been making a list as I've gotten books this this year. Yeah, and I've and I've put like the amounts, but I've also put down books that I have been sent by publishers, which was probably the majority. Um, because what I used to do was I w- I would put the price of the book like in my spreadsheet with what I've read, but then it was like, well, I've read you know a hundred and twenty pounds worth of books, say, but I've actually like I have no idea how many I bought <laughs> in that time. Um, yeah, I think last year I counted up and I'd spent like I think I'd spent like four hundred pounds on books. Which for a Oof. hobby over the course of a year, like I can afford that quite happily. Some people would spend that in the gym. Mm. <laughs> I, I probably spend that in the gym as well, also. <laughs> um, no, not that much, but um, between that and yoga, maybe. Um, <laughs> so, like, I didn't feel bad about how much I'd spent, but I noticed that there was a big discrepancy between the books I was spending money on and the books I was reading because I was probably reading more that I got for free than I was ones that I'd paid for yeah well it's a difficult sort of balance to find isn't it because Mm. obviously we're in a very left position that we sometimes get sent stuff from publishers which is um incredibly generous and um and I really appreciate but we do like to feel that we are contributing to the industry Mm -hmm. so I would I would hate to get to the end of a year and be like oh I only spent 20 pounds yeah that's true yeah maybe it's better that I'm I'm paying you know, I'm spending an amount that might kind of line up with how much I'm reading if it's not necessarily like the same books, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Do you have any other goals? Um, I think I say this every year, but I feel like I'd like to use my library more. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been, no, I have been to the library this year because I, I definitely went and joined this year, which was ridiculously late. Um, got out some books, returned them a few weeks later, didn't go back. Um, but again, that kind of feeds into, you know, where there's a big part of me that wants to be really frugal and really advocate for the use of our libraries. I also want to financially contribute to the industry and pay for author's work. So again, balance. Yeah. I think in the UK, authors do get a cut when you use the library. If you take out their book, they get you know, I think it's like Spotify money. It's probably like a few pence, but they do get a wee bit of something. That's true. I have seen authors tweeting to remind other authors. Mm-hmm. I've also seen a few people recently. I don't know how our listeners will feel about this. I have seen a, a few people saying like because the situation in the UK for libraries is pretty dire, that they are just taking books out, and whether they get around to them or not, that you know they'll they'll still just have a cycle of books that they're taking in and taking out. Oh, that's a good idea. I think it's a good thing to do um, as long as you're not just like completely taking the piss and taking out 30 books or something and like <laughs> depriving other people of books that they want to read. Um, yeah, oh god, yeah, don't take out like the latest releases. Yeah, when I first joined the library here I was like, I was thinking to myself like I'm going to be really good and definitely like take one out at a time and read it and then return it and that lasted two books and then the third one I didn't. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know like the other day I went and I went to get home going because I was kind of tired of reading on my Kindle um and so I read that and then I got out two other books and I might get around to them before they're due back and I might not but I like you know being in and out of the library as well um and I think my library is is very good at having new releases like that so um I think it would be good for me to go and get those out of the library or request them ahead of time rather than going out and buying new hardbacks all the time that's good 
Yeah. What about you? Do you have any other goals? Um, I think the, the library was one of my other goals as well. So um, I need to get back to doing my reviews because I think I've missed the last couple of months of my capsule reviews, which do my blog. Mm. Um, I'd like to do a bit more YouTube since we won't be doing this. I'm sure I'll be like aching for more book chat in my internet <laughs> life. Um, and I guess keeping up my book club as well because um, it's fairly new. I joined it in its second or third meeting. I think maybe the third meeting. Um, and they're all people who I think they they really want to read and they're really interested in reading, but they don't. They haven't really run a book club before. And I think maybe okay. um, like I'm I'm a good asset to be like, all right, here's here's some ways that we could pick, or here's some places we could find books to to draw a list from. Um, so I think I think it'd be fun to get a bit more involved in that and help organise it a bit as well. That's a good idea. There's so much more to a book club than just sitting in a pub and drinking wine. Yeah, exactly. And I'm so excited. I know, I know to... it's a surprise, but it is true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to visit home as well and go back to my old book club because they've, they've said like since we left like we'll, they'll, they'll definitely try to have a meeting like while Evan and I are visiting so that'll be nice as well. When are you back in the UK? I don't know yet probably at some point. Probably May or June hopefully. Exciting! Yeah it's such a long time away still. I know I know it's gonna be a crazy year. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like I'm putting off wrapping up. I know <sighs> Well, my friend Max said to me, can you just make your last episode like two hours long? <laughs> oh, bless. Thank you, Max. Um, we've been super grateful for all the tweets and comments that we've had from people about um, how much you're going to miss us, which is really lovely. Yeah. We've been so, um, so lucky to do this for the past two years and to be able to check in with each other every couple of weeks and see how things are going and... Um, I'm really going to miss it. I know, me too. And that we should make that one of our goals to actually talk together and talk about books, even if we're not recording it. Oh, yes, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. So let us know, guys, what your favourite books of the year have been. We definitely want to hear from you. As always, you can get us on Twitter, at Bookish Blether. We will be there throughout our podcast hiatus as well, so drop us a line at any time. You can find show notes from all our episodes, bookishblether.tumblr.com, and you can always drop us an email as well, bookishblether at gmail.com. Uh-huh. We are not going to be recording, but we haven't died. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Smith. And you can find me on YouTube, Instagram and Twitter at Robotnik and I have a website at robotnik.co. And if you want to be sure that you hear from us as soon as our next episode drops, you can subscribe on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, so we won't be back in a couple of weeks with some more bookish weather. But um, we hope that you have a wonderful 2017. Happy meeting. Happy meeting.